Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Dr. Michael Sala with us as we're talking about his book, Rise of the Red Dragon. Michael, why in the world would we help out a communist nation with a space program? Well, that goes back uh, to the 1980s with uh, Ronald Reagan, who was president uh, from 1981 to 1989. He, was, he received a briefing and he truly believed that uh, the United States and other major countries in the world needed to band together to defend the planet against an extraterrestrial invasion, that he received this briefing about hostile extraterrestrials. And, and whether anyone believes it or not, uh, it's on the public record that Reagan did go to major uh, geopolitical events and actually talked about uh, the need for the major countries to come together to cooperate to deal with an alien invasion. And uh, the most famous, of course, was the, his speech in 1987 at the United Nations. Right. And I, and I thought he was just saying that to just say that, but maybe there was some fact behind it. Oh, well, they're, they're definitely, he, he believed it. And, and the question is, well, why did he believe that the major powers on the planet uh, needed to band together to defend against the hostile extraterrestrials? And um, that's when it comes to this uh, alleged briefing that uh, Reagan received in uh, 1981. And it's quite controversial, but I think it did happen that either uh, he received a, a briefing, as this uh, leaked document suggests, uh, involving his CIA director, William Casey, or he received a briefing very similar to it. But nevertheless, he received a briefing, which, which then kind of casts light on different scientists and different... Uh, reports about China cooperating with the United States at these very um, classified facilities. And some American scientists got very upset about this. Especially, uh, one scientist, uh, Boyd Bushman, who worked with uh, Lockheed Martin actually uh, at the Skunk Works, he actually has did say uh, in an interview that uh, he was very upset when he learned about Chinese scientists working at Area 51 alongside American scientists to understand these alien technologies. And, and that was all because Reagan truly believed that uh, China needed to work with the United States to defend the planet against hostile extraterrestrials. But there was a deeper agenda here, which is that um, the people that briefed Reagan only gave him partial information. Ah, just what they thought he needed to know, right? Exactly. They, they, they just kind of dangled a carrot in front of him and, and knew that he would follow a particular direction and, and kind of get all these countries to cooperate to deal with a, a possible alien uh, species that was hostile. But what, they, what the people that briefed Reagan wanted in return was access to China's secrets, China's... Uh, long history of ancient technologies uh, that have been recorded uh, in, in various uh, ancient scriptures. Uh, there are artifacts in China. And probably the most important uh, for, for the secret government were China's pyramids. The, the China's pyramids, there are hundreds of them, and, and they are not mausoleums. Even though the Chinese government will tell you that they're mausoleums that date to the uh, second uh, century BC and uh, the tombs of the, the Qin and the Han emperors, um, that that's nonsense. 
they are much, much older. Uh, there are reports that actually, there are reports that China's pyramids date all the way back to the Atlantean era. Uh, so just, just as you have in Egypt, where you have your ancient pyramids that date back uh, thousands of years before conventional uh, archaeologists are willing to admit, but then you also have um, man-made versions that are inferior. The same thing happened in China. We had some very ancient uh, uh, pyramids that are being covered up by the Chinese government. And uh, then you have later ones that were kind of uh, built uh, by some of the Chinese emperors. And that's, and that's where the Chinese government kind of like obfuscates the true origins of their biggest pyramids, saying that they're all mausoleums, whereas, whereas in fact, while some Chinese emperors did build kind of pyramid-like mounds, they were never as big as the ones that date back to the Atlantean era. Michael, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Air Force's secret space program under Dr. Theodore Van Karman. How extensive was that program? Well, that was really the beginning of the uh, Air Force's secret space program. Um, in 1944, as the Second World War was winding to an end, um, Theodore Von Karman was basically given a briefing by General Hap Arnold, who's the only five-star Army and Air Force general. Uh, he was the, the chief of the uh, Army Air Force, as it was known at the time. And he basically wanted von Karman to, to put together uh, the, most, um, uh, the, the most competent scientific team of experts that he could find who would study all of the advances in aeronautical science that had been discovered uh, during the Second World War, and especially that were, um, that were being developed in Germany, in Nazi Germany. Uh, Hap Arnold was, was not, knew that the Germans had built flying saucers, that they had flying saucer prototypes under development. And, and this is a fact, you know, this, you know the, that Germany was developing flying saucers for the war effort. Where the controversy lies... Now, was that reverse technology, or was this something they were developing on their own? Well, you know, that's also part of the debate. You know, was this just the work of uh, certain... Uh, scientific inventors such as uh, you know, Otto Schumann and um, a few others, or was it because uh, the Germans had uh, gained access to some alien technologies? We, we do know that there was a flying saucer crash in 1933 in Italy, um, and that Mussolini and Hitler did reach an agreement, a technology exchange agreement, and they did cooperate in, in developing a a secret space program that that was reverse engineering these flying saucers. Uh, you know, the Italy and Germany were cooperating in that, and and there are German and Italian scientists come forward to confirm that yeah, there, there was a flying saucer program under development. Where all the controversy lies is how far did that development go? Was it just you know developing some prototypes and kind of like the Messerschmitt uh, uh, jet jet fighter? that kind of like uh, n never really saw light of day, never really saw mass development for the war effort? Or did they successfully develop it and just take it into a remote location as the war was coming to an end to basically start off again you know, from that remote location, uh, Antarctica? That's where the debate is. But, you know, regardless of that debate, what is a fact is that um, Dr. Shen was part of this scientific group that... Uh, uh, Theodore von Karman put together at the request of General Arnold 
to basically analyze all of the most advanced aeronautical uh, technologies and know-how out there, and that and they were sent to Germany um, in 1945. Was that Operation Lusty, Luftwaffe Science and Technology? Exactly. That's the one. That, uh-huh. uh, See, uh, I read your book, Michael. Oh, good. You got the copy. Great. Oh, absolutely. Great. I'm glad you got that. Yeah, Operation Lusty, uh, uh, an amazing program uh, where you basically had the a team, of, you know, t- different teams. There were two. There were two known teams. Uh, the, the team uh, that went there to find all of the advanced aerospace technologies that the Germans had developed to ship back to the United States for study at places like uh, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And also you had a scientific team that went to interview all the German scientists, look at whatever technologies were there to make assessments as to which scientists and which technologies uh, could be taken back to the United States for study and reverse engineering. And, and Dr. Shen was the only non-U.S. Uh, person in that scientific team. Now, Dr. Shen actually was, was interrogated Werner von Braun. So there, there you have, um, in, in uh, occupied Germany at that time, you had the future uh, founder of the Chinese space program interrogating the German founder of the, their space program, who would then go on to help launch... Uh, NASA's space program. So Jeez. it was really a unique thing um, that happened historically, and Dr. Shen was involved in all of that. And uh, he he brought he, he basically went back and he, along with the other scientists, helped Dr. von Kármán develop a multi-decade-long blueprint for the development of a secret space program that the Air Force would build. And this was something that was fully funded. Uh, by the Truman administration, using a lot of off of the of the book uh, uh, funding sources that the CIA was was created to to generate, and so that was how the uh, Air Force secret space program began. In um, soon after the end of the Second World War, uh, when they brought all of this capture technology and all of these scienti- scientists um, to the United States to understand and then reverse engineer a secret space program using supersonic flying saucer craft. Um, and Dr. Shen was a part of that from, from the inception. Okay, that, so that's a fascinating move there, the, the fact that it was uh, back in 1945. God knows what it would be like today in terms of that kind of a program. Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we kind of get an idea in terms of the reports circulating about what the Germans developed uh, from, from the 40s. Um, but we know that the United States, even though they, they began um, basically in, in 45, 46, um, in terms of uh, you know, starting their, their own secret space program, and von Kármán, sorry, uh, von Kármán and Chen were, were a part of that uh, under a scientific committee that was organized uh, by, uh, Dr., uh, by uh, General Arnold for, uh, for the new uh, for the Air Force that was then being created, and uh, that was called the Scientific Advisory Board, and they basically looked at all of this technology that was brought out of Germany and all of the advances in aeronautical laboratories in the United States and around the world, and, and came up with a blueprint for how the U.S. Air Force could develop its own secret space program. And 
what we do know today is that what the what the Air Force began developing um, in the kind of mid to late 40s, it was only by the 1960s and 1970s that the Air Force began deploying uh, some of their reverse-engineered craft, that they had finally succeeded, that there was a lot of problems that they experienced. But by the late 60s, uh, um, 70s, uh, the Air Force had succeeded in developing some of these prototypes. And by the late 70s, uh, you know, these were becoming operational in terms of different squadrons of anti-gravity craft that the Air Force had. Now tell us about Father Albert D. Orville, from 1661. What happened there? Well, he was one of the first people to travel to Tibet. And uh, he, of course, was a missionary. He was a Jesuit. And while he was there, he saw a flying saucer. It was a very clear kind of uh, disc-shaped craft that he saw. And he was kind of wondering about it. And, and there was a Tibetan lama near him who, who, who basically told him that, yes, that is the craft that belongs to... Um, our, our friends from outer space who come here and share some of their technologies, share their wisdom, and, and tell us uh, about the need for developing spiritually so that one day we'll be um, uh, equipped or kind of ethically evolved enough to be able to handle these advanced technologies, and they will then share some of their technologies. So back in the 1600s, you, you have a case of extraterrestrial contact in Tibet, and that continues to the present day. Um, in, in, the, in the book, um, there, there are instances where you actually have these stories that uh, there is, uh, I think it's called Lake Namsul um, in, in Tibet, which is basically an interplanetary spaceport where you have visitors uh, landing and um, sharing information and uh, educating people that want to learn about the, the space philosophy or learn about the technologies. And interestingly, it is where George Adamski was taken um, as a youngster before the First World War. In the early 1900s, George Adamski, the, the famous... Uh, Venusian guy, the guy who talked about going to Venus all the time. That's the one, yeah. yeah. He, he, he actually spent... A, a, I think it was five years in Tibet um, when he turned 12 years old. He was taken to Tibet, and he spent five years, uh, around five years traveling and being taught all about the Tibetan philosophy. And it was basically identical to the Space Brothers' philosophy. And, and he taught uh, uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, philosophy at Laguna Beach uh, prior to him actually uh, starting to put out the information about the Space Brothers in the 1950s. And all he did was he swapped out the words um, uh, Tibetan with Space Brothers. And, uh, and basically, huh. it's the same thing, the same philosophy. I am fascinated by your work with the 1970 joint Chinese-Soviet mission attack on a secret UFO base in Mongolia. Tell me about that, and why did we have a base in Mongolia? Well, that is really a, a very important historical incident that most people are not aware of. A, a lot of conventional historians are aware that um, in the late 1960s, around 1969, uh, the Chinese and the Russians faced off along the border region and had these uh, skirmishes there, and there were 
rumours of full-scale war, but it never never happened. Well, you know, the backstory to that was that uh, the Russians and the Chinese were seeing a lot of flying saucers um, around there, uh, along the border region, and each thought that the other had developed flying saucers and that... Um, and that these uh, sources were basically reconnaissance craft that were being used to spy on the others' kind of military deployments and facilities and so forth. So, you know, both were very interested in finding out, you know, where the sources were based. And they were, they were traced to an area uh, in western Mongolia. Uh, and Mongolia is a, is a kind of buffer state between China and Russia. And even though it's, it was at the time under the, the Soviet sphere of influence, it was nevertheless um, you know, something that historically was part of China. So both China and Russia, uh, or the Soviet Union, uh, were, were very concerned that this area in western Mongolia might be used by the other side as a base for conducting surveillance and espionage. And, and we, of course, were the other side, right? Well, when it comes to who it was, um, it wasn't the U.S., that's it the was thing. Not. All right. it, was, it was a it was a base. It was a base in Western Mongolia uh, that I believe, based on all of the, the research that I did, belonged to an inner Earth civilization. Um, Shambhala, Agatha, uh, those are the terms that are often used for it. Both uh, the the Soviets and the, the Chinese were aware of the legends of Shambhala, that there's an underground civilization that dates back many millennia uh, under the Gobi Desert. And so, though, you know, so there have been actually scientific e expeditions to find Shambhala. This is a part of, again, the historical record that the, the Soviets, we know the Soviets did fund expeditions to find Shambhala. Um, and, uh, and so both the Chinese and the Russians were aware of these legends. And, of course, when they saw all these flying saucers flying out of this base out of Western Mongolia, um, they they attacked, and and the Russians used uh, tactical nuclear weapons to destroy the base. My God! And only a few days later, uh, the, the Chinese also arrived there, and somehow the, the Chinese and the Russians, you know, whether they had military battles there or whether they just plundered, you know, the facilities at this base. Nevertheless, um, I think this is where China basically got some of the hardware. Uh, for its own secret space program. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.